Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. This week, my guests and I met at a little cafe in the heart of Sydney, not far from St. James Station. There's shells on the station facade. And this is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. They're not just long walks or adventures, but pilgrimage. Pilgrims walk with a sense of intention. Perhaps you're seeking to overcome a significant event in your life. Perhaps you're looking for something, hoping for something. Maybe it's the dreaded midlife crisis. I see it more as a midlife opportunity. Some pilgrims find themselves. Others lose themselves. Some pilgrims find themselves a place to live in Spain. Indeed, if I may, my friend Susie Stevenson and her partner Furman run an albergue in Trabadello just outside Via Franca del Bierzo as you walk along the river up to O Sobrero. It's called Casa Susie. It's a magical place and it's run by magical people. They haven't been able to open this year and it's meant they've had to live off virtually nothing. Well, they now realise the ageing Casa needs a lot of work. There's an appeal being run to try to raise money for them. And I've stayed at Casa Susie and as I say, it's magic. Just a wonderful, wonderful place. And pilgrims need it. If Susie and Furman can't raise the money to fix the roof, they could be left to simply walk away. I think the Camino will sadly miss a great couple who really deeply care about pilgrims and the Camino. So if you're interested in helping, just type Casa Susie into Facebook and it will come up. C-A-S-A-S-U-S-I, Casa Susie. Susie and Furman have a simple philosophy. We want to help you live the life you dreamed and this is the first step. Susie and Furman are friends of mine. They say the friendships you form on the Camino stay with you for life. I've certainly found that to be true. So I want to help Susie and Furman. So I'm going to do a gig on Facebook Live this weekend. It'll be Sydney time, 9.30am, Sunday the 22nd of November. So that's 9.30am this Sunday in Sydney. I think that makes it 11.30pm Saturday in Trabadello and the rest of Spain. They'll just be getting ready to go out at 11.30 at night. <laughs> it's 2.30pm Saturday in Los Angeles, 5.30 Saturday in Washington, and 3.30pm Saturday in Denver, of all places. I don't know why my computer told me Denver, but there you are. Saturday afternoon in the United States, Saturday night in Europe and the UK, and Sunday morning in Australia. I'll have the means to donate to Susie and Furman as part of the concert. Friendships, eh? There's an old proverb, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. I love that. Well, my guests this week are Rowan and Margaret Boutel. When I was organising this catch-up with Margaret a few days ago, she messaged me to say, I love these impromptu Camino meetups, and so do I. It's so true. We met in a little bookshop cafe in the heart of Sydney. It was a busy morning, so forgive the background noise if you would. And there's also a couple of pops and hisses in the audio as well, but we get through all of that. It's a lovely story. And I began by asking Margaret and Rowan, as I had met them as part of their Oz Camino Festival in 2017, and I asked Margaret to tell us about their Camino or Caminos. Well, it started in 2013 when Rowan and I um, took a break from Sydney and we travelled over to Spain and cycled the Camino Frances. Um, we have a history of being cycle tourists and so we actually started with all our tents and bags and cooking equipment and after a week we realised this wasn't a cycle tour, this was a pilgrimage and we sent all those extra camping items uh, over to friends in England and we started um, experiencing France's uh, way as pilgrims and it really opened our eyes to what a special experience that was. Rowan, to you, do you remember where you first heard about the Camino? Vaguely in the past some friends of ours or a friend of ours that lived in America did it as a sort of organised tour but like decades ago and then we heard nothing about it and we were just looking for a long-distance cycle route across Europe, somewhere that wasn't English-speaking. And then there was this Camino that seemed to be about a 1,000 Ks and just what we needed. But we didn't really put two and two together that it was a pilgrimage. However, we did 
order a guidebook, John Bradley guidebook, and we took it with us, but we hadn't even opened and read it. And when, <laughs> when, when, we, when we arrived it's at the start, yeah, when we arrived at the start, the first thing we did in St. John Pied de Port was stay for about two or three nights and had the one English movie on in the town, which was The Way. That's when we really found out what it was about. But we were still cycle tourists, and so it evolved after a week or so, as Margaret says. What a wonderful dawning, though, for that to sort of to appear in your lives. All of a sudden you think, ah, the penny's dropped. Where were you when the penny dropped you? Do you remember? I think it was in Burgos that we were staying in a, in a campground there and we saw the pilgrims walk past along the river and we felt like we really wanted to be part of that and we realised that we were missing out on yeah, something yeah. quite special. So we wanted that albergue experience. Um, and that actually was a huge turning point because it was the albergues that we stayed in that inspired us to... Uh, come to Glenella and uh, and create a similar environment in Australia. So let's go to Glenella, the Glenella Guest House at Blackheath in the Blue Mountains. It's about two hours from Sydney. Margaret, tell us that story. How did Glenella come into your lives? <laughs> when when cycling the uh, St Francis route in 2013, um, staying in the Albergues was for me a very unique experience. It was a place where you weren't judged, where it didn't matter what language you were, what culture you came from, everybody was accepted. And it felt like a really safe place, a place with like-minded people that you could share share things you wouldn't share with your family necessarily or friends. And, and after travelling like that for three, four weeks, I felt our world is missing more places like that. And I wanted to recreate a space where people could come in after a day of physical walking or cycling um, and, and meet other like-minded people uh, at a much deeper level. Maybe you, we can hear from your accents that you're South African. Um, how does a South African couple end up rowing in the, in the Blue Mountains running what's a sense, in many ways, a pilgrim's albergue? I think, you know, people say your, your Camino started starts after you leave Santiago so for us it was never a grand plan that we would sort of end up in the Blue Mountains be doing Camino related things it just sort of led us in a direction from when we finished in Santiago and so we decided we would come back to the Blue Mountains start to pursue this idea that Margaret picked up about creating this sort of sociable um, very supportive accommodation environment for what we targeted would be sort of more outdoor interested pursuits like bushwalking and cycling and that and we found this old guest house which initially didn't seem like it was suitable but actually we've transformed it over the past six years into something that's proving very suitable and it's not just I guess by accident it's taken a lot of massaging and listening to feedback from our guests and of late, more and more Camino people, and we've really created a great sort of environment. What you, I first met you at the Oz Camino Festival that you hosted, I think, in 2017, and indeed we were talking just before, and I think I'd only just launched the podcast, and here we are, half a million downloads later, which is quite extraordinary in itself, but such is the interest and the, and the love of the Camino amongst the Camino community. What prompted you to host that first gathering, though? Margaret, I'll ask you. I think I need Rowan to answer that one. It's something to do with a billboard um, that he saw and he got the idea. So I'll pass this one over to Rowan. So I was, I'd always had in my mind Oz Camino. I originally thought it would be like a long distance walking route in Australia to mimic the Camino. But that never happened. And then I was driving to parks and I, to Bathurst and I saw the sign for the Parks Elvis Festival. And I just recently watched an ABC documentary about how that started, just from like small things, people throwing ideas around in the pub. And I suddenly thought, you know, what we can do is start a festival focused on Camino because there's such passion for it. And so that's exactly what we did, and it just grew out into this program of events. Um, the tagline at the time was 
celebrating all things Camino. And it was really, people jumped on board and it really worked really well. The passion, it's there, you know, it's palpable. It's just an amazing phenomenon. So anyway, it started from just an idea, seeing a billboard advertising the Parks Music Festival. So here we are, mid-2020, and the whole world's gone crazy. How has the business and how have you guys coped with COVID-19? The impact it had was obviously to, we had to shut for a couple of months. Um, And once the government's announced support for small businesses, we realized it was an opportunity to actually take some time out. Uh, We were into our fifth year of running Glenella and it had taken its toll in terms of um, the physical nature and the demanding nature of running a guest house. So we actually were very fortunate that we could spend some time pursuing our interests of the outdoors, cycling um, and running and, and walking and planning Camino events. So um, we, we, we've actually been really fortunate in this regard and we decided to focus on the things that we could do rather than the things that we couldn't do. Mm. It's a, that's a really good philosophy. I like that. I like that a, a lot. And, and Rowan, you and Margaret regularly host events for pilgrims, and there's this five-day sort of refresher or training course. Tell us about what you offer. Okay, this is something that we've been doing now for four years. We wanted to do something that, that mimicked the Camino walking in Spain as a sort of a training opportunity for locals before they travel to Spain. And so we decided to start at the base of the Blue Mountains and walk over five days up to the top of the Blue Mountains where we would ordinarily have our Blue Mountains Camino supporters events at the, on a Saturday. And so we've been doing that, like I say, four years now, walking about 15 to 25 k's per day and, and sometimes overnighting on the way or travelling backwards and forwards by train. And so ultimately it was a training route but the reality is actually recapturing that Camino spirit or introducing people to that. And it works really well. When you put a, a bunch of Camino people together, there's just this buzz, you know, yeah, and yeah. it works amazingly well. Yeah. 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 So, so it's a five-day course. Um, is it... I mean, I know you, you talk about training. We've had a look here at the pack. There's even a credential and and sort of a question and answer, frequently asked questions and all sorts of, sort of maps and stuff. But it's a lot more than just training, isn't it, Margaret? Because you need to prepare yourself if you're going to go on the Camino or you want to refresh your Camino. It's about the, as much about the spirit as it is about the body. Definitely about the spirit as well. And although the emphasis has been on training to get you physically used to walking Day uh, days in a row. Um, we've also added a reflections um, into the pack for, to give people a sense of um, of quiet reflection. And we had a really special experience on day three in our September five day walk, where Juliet from the Newcastle group actually sat us down in the forest, and we spent about five minutes going through a guided meditation in the forest and it was a most beautiful experience. Um, what we really want to do is tap into um, what the, the spirit of the Camino um, within our own home space and something John Briley mentioned last October when he spent the weekend with us and spoke to many, many Sydney, Central Coast and, and mountains pilgrims the Camino is, is your local journey. Um, you don't have to always wait to go to Spain to do your Camino. And I think this year is particularly because so many walkers couldn't go over to Spain. Uh, they relish the opportunity to do five days in the Blue Mountains with other pilgrims. Um, and, and it's amazing how that Camino spirit spreads um, once it starts and and the Blue Mountains Camino supporters group just feel like we enablers. Um, we bring the people together and then we just let it happen. That's, I love that. Bring them together and let it happen. So how far are we walking if we're going from Penrith to Blackheath? So 
on the map it says 88 kilometers according to our route, but generally you walk a little bit more than that. So call it about 100 k's all up over the week. So, yeah. I mentioned earlier uh, Susie and Fermin. I know they were there up at Glenella earlier this year. Um, and it's, they were delighted at how many people turned out to come and meet them. It was a, that was a magic weekend, wasn't it? It was fantastic. And um, they've left a legacy at Glenella and, and with our pilgrim groups. And almost every weekend when we get, every month when we get together again, somebody mentions uh, Susie and Fanman and how much they enjoyed their talk and sharing the weekend with them. We've uh, kept in touch and we often get them to give a Zoom update on what's happening over in Spain um, because although we are a Camino group in the Blue Mountains, we, we are really still supporting what's happening in the Camino in Spain. So we feel there's a really close link between us and, and Casa Susi and we were very fortunate to be able to do some fundraising for them as well um, through the five-day walk. So we we're happy that we're able to contribute towards their uh, their roof repairs. Yeah, no, it's a big it's a big job. I hope, as I say, to do some fundraising this weekend, which would be lovely. So you've put together all this network of walking paths in the Blue, Blue Mountains, as I said, two hours out of sight. Just so my listeners understand what we're talking about, how do you describe where you live, the Blue Mountains? So the Blue Mountains really is part of the Great Dividing Range, which traverses the entire continent on the east side and travelling westward from Sydney you have to cross this this dividing range and the very high point is Blackheath so it's about 1,055 metres and so that's why we have our training walk walking uphill from Penrith which is I think 8 metres above sea level right. so it's a good good training walk and we, we did it that way rather than downhill so that we could end um, where we have our monthly meetings on a Saturday. But it's, it's, it's a mix of lots of deep valleys and walking along the plateau, and obviously the route follows, by and large, the Western Highway and the railway line, and there's a su- succession of about 12 or 15 villages. So it's just like walking across Spain, village to village, and we have the advantage of places to stay, and if you can't if you get injured, you can catch the train back to the start point or the end. So it's really suitable for doing this walk over the Australian mountains. Would you consider it a difficult walk? Most of the, of the walkers have said that it is more difficult than what they've done in Spain um, because it's five continuous days of gaining altitude. Um, right from 8 metres above altitude to 1,055. It's fairly significant. And also our mountains, um, trails can be fairly rugged and technical. And if you're carrying a pack, that, that makes it quite challenging. So what we offered this year, instead of carrying a pack and staying at a different accommodation every night, um, we opened up Glenella as an albergue, and so the pilgrims could stay and take the train to the start each day, and all they needed to carry was a day pack. And overall, um, really enjoyed that because carrying the full day, the full pack, didn't seem necessary. Um, so that meant they could enjoy the trails far more. And Rowan, you were saying earlier that it's great too because going back to Glenella as a group each night, you get that much more collegiate feel. Yeah, it actually definitely recreates that feeling staying in the albergue with your Camino family. Yeah. And yeah. with us, it's about 20 people. And so there's this huge opportunity to all cook together and tell stories and laugh and a bit of vino tinto and all those things. It's just like, it's just like in an albergue and that, it's just really great to see. How, how do you, Margaret, I'll go to you. How do you explain the Camino to people who ask about it, these people who haven't walked the Camino? How do you explain it? So it's a journey by foot that opens the heart and soul. Uh, I think it's very difficult to replicate the, the personal journey that one takes without the physical um, being part of it and the combination of the rhythmic walking every day using your own physical um, stamina and reaching your goal every day, tired but rewarded. It's something quite special 
I think it's very hard to, to replicate anywhere else. And, and walking with like-minded people who are on a similar journey to you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, was, I, look, I saw on your Facebook page um, Paula who wrote, Ketuba to Blackheath, 17 kilometres, incredible journey covering vast bushland of the magnificent Blue Mountains. We walked under the changing climate of the mountains, covered four seasons in five days. We walked in hot summer, warm and fragrant spring, windy autumn and winter chills with hail, rain, and you wouldn't believe it, snow. (laughs) I'm forever grateful for the unforgettable experience. So couple that kind of experience of the wild and unpredictable nature which is quite extraordinary in the Blue Mountains, with this sort of spiritual awakening as well. You've got quite the combination, haven't you? It's everything shrunk down into five days that you'd mm. find in 65 in Spain. Yeah. Okay, I'm overblowing that a bit, but, but really it is, it's a good diversity of experience and great people coming together. You know, it's all about the people. And, and is Paula's comment there, you know, incredible journey, is that generally what the participants say? I mean, does anybody say, oh my gosh, it was just so hard, it was just so difficult? I mean, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you're going to tell me, Dan, everybody says it's terrible. But, but do some people struggle? Um, yes, the first day is a physical struggle. It's 24 kilometres. And... It, there is an option to take the train, an earlier train, um, back home, which about 10 to 15 percent of the of the walkers do. Um, but we don't see that as a failure. That, that they've pushed themselves to that point. Everybody has a different starting point, fitness-wise, when they when they start the five days and we encourage them just to walk as far as they can on that first day and sometimes after three days they've gone you know what my body needs a rest and that's fine there's no there's there's no rule book here um there's there's no prerequisite to complete every day um everybody's encouraged to just do what they can um i i I led day three which is also known as the three gorges uh three gullies day and i I do encourage them to walk all three gullies because it is really special um even though it is a bit of a tough day um those that that get through that are feel a shift within themselves of, of going through amazing bush, um, huge, big trees, yeah. um, waterfalls, streams, lyre birds. Uh, it really is a special experience. So um, occasionally I do nudge, nudge them a little, little more than maybe what they plan to do at the start of the day. Um, but it, it's been fantastic feedback that we've received. We had 30... Um, 30 walkers fill out a, f- a feedback uh, form and of them all 30 said they would recommend it and they would do it again oh well there you go even though for some people might have found it difficult that's still the coming back for the challenge I just want to before we finish up on Glenella you might Rowan just tell us some of the other things you do up there give, give the business a plug because I understand there's some quilting goes on as well I love quilting so it's a heritage listed guest house in New South Wales was originally built in 1905 so it's really got a nice character sort of the Australian Federation style building and what we've done is we've sort of opened up and started attracting groups to come in and do workshops and yoga retreats and various sort of group activities including our Camino activities of course and so we've been promoting it to that and they really love it because it's quite well located in this historical village called Blackheath. Um, there's something there for everybody, and we've got 14 rooms. That's enough for like small corporate groups and quilting workshops, as you mentioned. Families coming up like for 70-year-old birthday, 70 years birthday parties or 80, bring people together. <clears throat> Works really well. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful place, and uh, indeed, Glenella's a beautiful place within a beautiful part of the world. There's no question about that. Let's go back to the Camino. Um, Margaret, what is it about the Camino, do you think, that keeps us connected? I was playing a show in Sydney last Friday. My friend Claudette Clausen came to see me, and I was I always love running into Claudette. It's like part of the Camino, the essence of the Camino kind of engulfs us both. We were buzzing on Friday night. Why do you think people are attracted to it? And what keeps us connected, do you think? I think it's a, 
it's an opportunity to be more true to yourself, to be authentic, um, and to allow others to be authentic. It's it's an opportunity to unlayer yourself from from society's mantle, and and just and and it's a place where you respect others, regardless of their views or their background, their heritage. Uh, we got a really touching feedback from Lee Lim, who participated in our October five-day walk, and and he was just so amazed that he's of Asian uh, descent that he was accepted just like everybody else, and 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 that for him was so special of that week, and I think that represents the Camino. We welcome everybody; it doesn't matter where they're from, um, and and it's a time to reflect on life. Um, and lose some of those material obsessions that we have and society's expectations where we can just talk what's really real for us and and share some of our personal journeys because people listen and that's what one gains along the walk. Um, the, The listening is really quite special and, and it goes both ways. We listen to others and they listen to us. And I think that's a gift. That's really a gift of the Camino. Um. You wouldn't, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, I walked a couple of days with my old friend Lee and he's just turned 60. So, you know, here's this 50-year-old, I don't know, I was nearly, well, I was 50 and he's in his late 50s. And we were having this very deep spiritual conversation. At the, not the sort of thing that would happen at the pub on a Saturday afternoon. And and yet, here we were at the end of the night, you know, with arms arm around each other, you know, patting one another on the back and hugging, because we'd managed to share such a beautiful moment together. It's not like I say, blokes like us aren't supposed to talk like that. It's it's a magical, you know, you sort of feel released. You can actually get those connections that everywhere else you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So, let me ask you, Rowan, do you think it's for everyone? Clearly not. Um, but I think part of almost our obligation is try to show people that if they give it a chance, there's, there's opportunity for self-growth, for learning more about themselves and more, other, more about others. And in the Camino, Margaret used the word gift. It really is a gift. And if people adopt the right mindset and give it a chance, I think it's there for the taking. And so, you know, Margaret also used the word enabling. That's really what we're about. We're trying to enable more and more people to observe, to participate, and, and be a part of that Camino phenomenon. You do the training or experience weekends. Um, what's the one question you get asked more than any other, do you think? How do I prevent blisters on the Camino? <laughs> well, how do I prevent blisters on the Camino? <laughs> Come on our Blue Mountains Camino supporters training walks. We we organise walks once a month, um, and that's the perfect time to try out your shoes, try out your socks, talk to others about their different blister te- blister prevention techniques, um, and even on the five day we had quite a number of people with blisters and. And just to share that experience with others and hear what some of the solutions are, um, I think that's that, that's actually the key thing that people are concerned about because a blister can ruin your, your whole Camino um, and the wrong shoes can. So uh, that, that's the most important topic we find we need to talk about. Uh, the best advice I ever got in relation to blisters was stop. Yeah. As, think- so, as soon as you feel it, anything, a hot spot, stop. I was going to say the thing that's asked most is, are we nearly there yet? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Sue, uh, give us a tip. What's something you can share with us? Something you tell participants in the the five-day training course. What's something you say, you you must do this? You must get together at the end of the day at the designated place, like the pub or the house or something like that and share your experience to sort of get the most out of it because a lot of it is like sharing and caring and reliving yeah you know the camino is it's got legs it endures yeah mm. sharing and caring so great 
And has so many times on this podcast, people have said they stopped to help somebody in the street. Whereas, you know, here we are in the middle of Sydney, bustling city. You wouldn't walk. Well, I perhaps might stop and help somebody if they fell over in the street, but a lot of people wouldn't. Mm. Whereas on the Camino, everybody reaches out, don't they? It's really magic. Um, A question I often get asked is, do I have to be super fit to do the Camino? No, I don't believe you need to be super fit. You just need to have the right shoes. Um, and and if you if you can walk 5Ks comfortably then and you have good shoes, you, you can make it. Um, you just have to pace yourself according to your strength. Don't go and rush and do 20Ks the first day. Just really pace yourself. You don't have to be super fit. I think that the key thing is to know your body's limitations and to work with that and to put the ego aside for a while and, and what all the other pilgrims are doing and just say, I'm going to walk this for myself. I think that's, that's actually the hardest uh, thing to, to do when you get started out because you get over-enthusiastic about what, what you want to achieve. Um, and that's why they say the Camino is in three parts. The first part is the body. Uh, so you have to get your body used to used to the physical nature of the walking, um, and the second part is um, is the heart, getting um, getting things through. Oh, I mixed that up, didn't I? Mind. The second part is the mind. Yes, getting getting rid of all that stuff that's cluttering up your mind, and then the third part is is the heart, just opening up your heart, and that's when you start seeing things around you, other pilgrims. Um, and that's really where the experience becomes quite special. It's funny, I'm reminded of Bill Bennett's book, The Way, My Way, and his, he promised his wife, uh, Jen, that he would stop uh, at Orison. And he, had a, he arrived with a sore knee. And Jen said, now you take it easy, promise me you'll take it easy, and only walk that first eight Ks because your knee is bad. And, of course, ego... <laughs> <laughs> Bill won't mind me saying, by the time he got to the top of the Pyrenees, his knee had exploded, and he's, and, you know, and his wife, he had to ring his wife that night, you know, and he's like holding the phone out here, <laughs> because his ego, he, and he'll tell you straight out, his ego got the better of him, and it nearly ruined his Camino, he was, it, it was, you know, it nearly finished him, but that's just crazy stuff, I mean, just do it in your own pace, in your own time, it's not a race, is it? Um, Rowan, should I plot my path? Should I be a spreadsheet pilgrim? Absolutely not. To me, that's like the worst approach. Because part of doing the Camino is experience this freedom, this release. And if you're tied to the spreadsheet and this program and thing, it just leads you down the wrong path, I think. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> I always remember in France, um, they said to us, you have to ring ahead and book. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. And he said, oh, no, you must ring ahead. You don't want a cranky French woman cooking your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So we did in France, but we didn't worry about it so much in Spain. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming or has become in the past a problem. So maybe you do have to. But I think you can somehow work around it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm of that school where you don't plan anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I think at the moment you have to, unfortunately. Um, Margaret, tell us about the Blue Mountains Camino supporters. When Ron and I um, took over Glenella, we happened to meet Tony Jacques, uh, who had recently returned from walking at Camino, and after a few conversations um, and, and a few meetups with other interested pilgrims, we formed the Blue Mountains Camino supporters group. And so this was back in 2015. And so it's been going five years, and we have got over 400 people on our newsletter uh, mailing list. And every we meet once a month, the last Saturday of the month, for a walk in the morning, and then a meet up in the afternoon. And um, we also have other events organised during the year, depending on COVID, like movies, um, BYO tapas dinners. We have an awesome admin organising team. Uh, Colleen, Sharice, Ron and I um, work really well together and I must give um, Sharice and Colleen the credit for coming out with the most amazing newsletter every month and to and for managing the, the Facebook site. They are both very engaged, very enthusiastic 
Um, and so we actually have quite a number of um, active participants. Yeah, I was lucky enough to talk at one of the supporters' events at the RSL Club at Blackheath with Tony. Tony was my, my host, and he, of course, is featured in two podcasts. The most recent was part of uh, the Accessible Camino um, event, which was magic. He's, I spoke to him when he was at the airport at, at Santiago. He's tearing up on the phone. <laughs> Rowan, the Camino has touched your lives and perhaps in some way provided guidance. Why, why do you think you and Margaret wanted a simpler life? Well, I think right at the beginning of this uh, interview, you mentioned midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one can't run away from the fact that I guess you reach a certain stage and you, you're you looking for more and maybe more depth. And I guess the Camino sort of came around at that time where it could offer something like that mm-hmm. within a great community. So I guess it sort of drew us along that pathway. Um, so why did we do that? Yeah. I just changed in midlife. Mm. And I'm, I'm certain you're delighted. I am, yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody is different. And I guess I'm obviously a little bit of an introvert and this community of Camino people is very welcoming and warm and actually has drawn me out in many ways. So I'm thankful for that. And I think there's room for many other people like myself to come in and be accepted. I think Margaret used the word acceptance as well. It's very accepting. Yeah. 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 And I think also there's a great energy amongst pilgrims, and I find it, for me, it's I get energized by that community. And I'm talking not only just about a spiritual energy, I'm talking about a physical energy as well. When you get together with a group of pilgrims and you go for a walk, you think, I can do this, this is great. I'm part of a team, we're all together and away we go. It's great. We found that our Saturday walks um, that we run from Blackheath, we used to walk an easy 10 kilometres. It's not enough anymore. We, we are now finding we have to do more challenging walks. We're walking 14 next, uh, next two weeks' time. We're walking 16 kilometres. Um, and, and the energy is there. People come back because they, they want that energy and, and it enables you to go further and further each time. We also find that coming together as a group, the energy feeds itself and people want to hear and know more. So we try and show some Camino movies, the Camino Voyage. We showed um, to the group last month, which was lovely. Um, We've had John Briley speak to our our group, um, the last five-day walk. Casa Susie zooms in as well. So we we try and engage with with the Camino um, so that that energy stays stays yeah. within the group too. Do you see the Camino being part of your lives for your entire lives? I believe that pilgrimage will be part of our, our lives, whether it's the Camino in Spain or some other walk somewhere in the world. I, I can't be sure. Things in Europe are looking quite... Um, stressed at the moment and I don't think the Camino will be a place that we'll likely walk or cycle for a while Um, but I think pilgrimages um, will certainly be part of my life. I think that time out is so important and after I walked in Italy last year I came back thinking my faith is restored in humanity. When, When one just looks at the news and social media you, you get absorbed in all the those things in life that can bring you down um, and and you have this overriding lack of trust in people. But when you walk, whichever country you walk in, um, you, you actually meet people, real people, and it restores faith in humanity. So for me, it's a really important thing to continue doing, to connect with people on a, on a person-to-person level and realise that in essence, we're all really, most of us are really good people and we all want to look out for each other. But there's a fear to do so. But when you're walking, that fear is removed. Yeah, I think, isn't it about discovery? Yeah, whether it's uh, landscape or, or landscape of the heart or, or whether it's a searching of, of the soul or the mind or whatever. 
It's about discovery, really, isn't it? I like the word life pilgrimage. You know, it's discovering life, I guess, through pilgrimage. Yeah, mm. I really like that. The five-day Camino training walk will be held again next year, March and September. And I'll just let you know a few things that will be in your goodie bag if you come and join us. Um, you get a credential and we have stamps. So you will take home um, some uh, souvenir of your walk. Um, we also provide a shell on a cord, which you can hang on your backpack. Um, we give you a, a reflections readings, something that you can read every day. Um, there's... Then, of course, the most important thing is your maps. You'll get five maps, a detailed map for each day with notes, elevation gain, where toilet stops are, where the cafes are. Um, so you don't actually need to walk with the group. You can walk on your own. And we do encourage people to walk their own pace. Um, and at the end of each day, we have identified a gathering point and that's also provided in your info pack where we meet up. Uh, so we say there's a three-hour window where you can meet at the pub or at the cafe, and that's where you'll, you'll meet up with everybody at the end of the day walk again. So all that information is provided, and all we ask for is a donation of $25. Right. And so this journey, as it were, you hope one day will become part of a, a longer journey, but just let's focus on the on the Blue Mountains for the time being. You were telling me, Rowan, earlier, you would quite like to have it marked in your own way eventually. Well, actually, we've spent a few years fine-tuning the actual route and the sort of the practical parts of doing it, but now we got to the point where we actually want to add depth. So the next phase in this evolution is to... Okay, market, that's a bit practical, but we also want to add um, sort of cultural aspects to it and perhaps deviate to appreciate and recognize some of the Aboriginal culture. And then the early, because it was a trade route and meeting point, and there's sacred sites along the way which we want to incorporate. And then obviously, there's the early European culture that was introduced. Um, there's one of the early pioneering. Uh, route through onto the interior Cox's Road and we walk along that for quite a, a lot of the way and then obviously there's other things of, of, that have been developed like churches and graveyard, gravestones and things like that that we're going to introduce just to add depth to it and more purpose because really a, a, a Camino is also walking with purpose and that's really our, our intention it's not just a bushwalk. No, no, and I made, mentioned earlier that it's very important that we acknowledge and respect the indigenous... I mean, people have walked that land for tens of thousands of years, um, and the back of the credential is the acknowledgement of country and, and paying respects to those the peoples whose land it is that we are all walking on, which I think is fabulous, actually. I think it's really fantastic. One last question, um, Margaret times are tough, travel's more difficult now. You, you're both really citizens of the globe. How does a couple of world travellers cope with being locked up in Australia? I mean, really, it's going to be a, could be a little while before you and I, the three of us, are back in Spain or anywhere else for that matter. I think it's a time to explore our own backyards um, and to see what Australia has to offer. And to see it through the eyes of a tourist, rather than seeing things as you normally would see them, actually look out, look for those shells that are at the St. James Station. Stop at the churches, um, look at the architecture, uh, look for signs of history. Pretend that you're actually a tourist in your own country. Um, I think that's, that's what we will need to do for our, we'll see things that we never saw before. Um, Ron and I are very fortunate. We live in Blackheath, and so we've got amazing natural beauty around us that we, we can access. And I think that is going to become more important to people. Um, they need that escape from from their locked-up homes and, and city life. And so we, we encourage people to come up to the Blue Mountains and 
come and explore and see what it has to offer. Well, I think the Camino, I love the fact that it can bring the three of us together. In this little cafe in the middle of Sydney, it's been pretty noisy, but I'm certain it'll be fine. We mentioned, or you mentioned this now, Margaret, walking past St. James Station on our way here. The shell is never far from us, only a couple of hundred metres away, the Cathedral of St. James, and alongside the cathedral is a pilgrim, a statue, a small sculpture of a pilgrim asleep by the side of the cathedral, and uh, I've been there many times. In fact, that's the church where I had the first stamp on my guitar was in the portico of the church before I went off on my Camino in 2018. So it's very special to me. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for what you do for the Camino community in the Blue Mountains and indeed further afield. Buen Camino. Good Camino and we hope we'll see you on the Blue Mountains Camino Trail one day. I'll be there. Buen Camino, Dan. Thank you. So just before we finish this week, I wanted to quickly touch base with Lee Lim, who was one of the pilgrims who spent five days with Margaret and Rowan last September. Let's hear what he has to say about the five-day getaway. It was, uh, it was great. Um, I've got a background where I've gone to the, um, the, the, the walk over in Spain as well. Um, and uh, so that was more like a 35-day affair. Um, and so, you know, just being able to do it here as well. Um, I mean, one thing is just like the, there's the obvious five-day sort of walking experience and all that, but there's also a... Um, that um, you find um, a special kind of camaraderie that you find um, in the uh, in the in the Spanish walk that um, that uh, that uh, the, the you know Margaret and um, Rowan have have done a you know have done their best to to create a um, you know a replication of that. It was hard to sort of find that in this environment in Sydney, and so yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised that um, they've been working on this so hard, and I think they've done a great job. Um, all the people have that sort of similar openness and and um, and warmth. Um, as for the walk itself, you know, it's uh, it's it's reasonably challenging. Um, certainly by day four, I was pretty knackered, um, almost uh, spiritually exhausted, you could say, um, which kind of had um, you know uh, similar similar lows that I had on the um, on the Camino as well. Um, uh, I won't say it's like you know depressed or anything like that. It was just like you know when you you've just been really tired for a few days and uh, had a chance to recover and you just sort of get into a bit of a mood at times. So that's part of the, um, you know, part of the experience too. So, um, yeah, well worth it. Um, and of course, you know, they included all these sort of wonderful, um, blue mountains, you know, unique to the, to the locality, um, just taking us through the, um, guiding us through or well, letting yourself guide, um, through the, um, through, through the nature there. Um, a lot of hidden sort of, um, uh, places that uh, I, I would not have been able to see myself, and uh, yeah, it was just great to sort of be able to, um, to to bash around the place and not really know where I was going, and um, just get to where I needed to get to, um, and uh, arrive at uh, basically an alberg style, um, and the alberg itself as well, uh, as well. What they've set up there, they try to um, you know develop and um, create an experience that we have sometimes in some of the more special um, places that we stay at in the Camino. Um, you know, facilitating, you know, uh, discussions and um, uh, and uh, that sort of thing, yeah. So. And here's Juliet Clark, who is a fellow pilgrim not far from here in Sydney. She's up in Newcastle, about two and a half hours from here. Here's what she had to say about her experience. Oh, it was uh, quite remarkable because it was the beginning of spring and we started off walking in 26 degrees from Penrith and it was like a summer's day. And then as we increasingly moved towards the mountains and Blackheath over the five days, it got colder and colder. And on the last day, we woke, oh, actually the night before, it started to snow. And so on the last day, there was snow when we got into Katoomba, got off the train, and we walked down to the cliff drive, and here was this beautiful snow coming down, just drifting um, it didn't last on the ground, but thought, my goodness me, fancy having in five days all these seasons and, um, you know, walking through the mountains up and down the valleys in, in places where you knew there were Aboriginal foot, footprints because it just had the most surreal feeling. It was it was quite magical. Um, and all the bushflowers were out and just, despite the fact that it was about minus 
three, four, something like that, and the wind was was blowing horizontal. It was just gorgeous. And you thought, aren't I so lucky to be here? Because it's not something you'd ever do yourself. <laughs> you know, we had we had lots of friends and uh, terrific guides. The organisation was fabulous. It was um, quite a magical experience. Yeah, I'd definitely do it again. My guests this week, Rowan and Margaret Butel. You can find them via glenella.com.au. That's glenella.com.au. Friendship, eh? Remember, Susie and Furamin from Casa Susie, we're chipping in from around the world to help them save the Casa, and I'll be doing a live gig on Facebook Live this weekend. It'll be 9.30am Sunday the 22nd of November, that's Sydney time, my time, so that's 9.30am on Sunday in Sydney. I think that makes it 11.30pm Saturday in Travadello and the rest of Spain, 2.30pm Saturday Los Angeles time, 5.30pm Saturday Washington and New York, New York and 5.30pm in Denver. So Saturday afternoon in the United States, Saturday night in Europe and the UK, and Sunday morning in Australia. I'll have the means to donate to Susie and Furman as part of the concert. Friendships, eh? There's an old proverb, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Pilgrims are forever refreshing their souls, and that's a blessing worth sharing. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Some